0: Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service.
1: Um Hey everyone, our reading tonight is coming from Leviticus chapter 19, uh, verses 9 through to 18. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field, or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time, or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Do not steal, do not lie, do not deceive one another. Do not swear falsely by my name, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God. I am the Lord do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbour's life. I am the Lord. Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbour frankly, so you will not share in their guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people. But love your neighbour as yourself. I am the Lord.
0: We are beginning a series uh, called Work Matters. Work Matters. Uh, we actually started this series back in 2019. You might think, this sounds kind of familiar. Congratulations if you're thinking that. Uh, we got a few weeks in and then we decided to do part two in 2020 and then COVID happened and we, and we postponed and we postponed and we postponed. But it's happening right now and I'm really excited. In this part two of the series, we're asking a really big question and yet also a really personal question. Why do we work? Why, why do I work? Why do you work? I don't ask that rhetorically. I want you to take a moment and actually think of your answer to that question. Why do you work? Jot down a note on your phone, write it down somewhere, turn to the person next to you and tell them if you want. But just take a moment, consider that. Why do you work? Go for it. All right. Now, if you happen to work for a larger corporation, you might be familiar with your company's emphasis on having purpose. There's been this increasing trend over the last couple of decades for companies to promote to all their staff a combined purpose that they all get to share in. And now there's data that even shows that employees with a sense of purpose have a higher sense of job satisfaction, they have higher engagement in the workplace, and even that purpose-driven companies are more likely to be profitable. But if our company's bottom line doesn't get your heart racing, that's all right, because in this series, we're not really concerned with what companies come up with as their purpose. We want to know what God says is the purpose of our work. We want to know why, according to God, we work. Because in his good plan for the world, God has given us responsibilities, he's given us jobs, he's given us tasks to do, he's given us work. So we want to think through, why does our work matter for God? Why does God have you working in the time and the place that he does? Now, we didn't have our opening sermon for the series last week, uh, but a member of our morning service, Mark, who has been working at, uh, as an engineer for decades and decades, shared one reason why we work. Uh, you can watch that online still, but he suggested that one reason we work is to honour God. Our work matters because whatever our work is, it's an opportunity for us to honour God. As our guest preacher for next week puts it, Cara Martin, she calls this workship our work can be worship. It's, it's workship. And that reason for working reminds me of what Jesus calls the first great commandment. He says that we are to love God with all our hearts, all our minds, all our souls, all our strength. And then what did God, our Jesus say was the second great commandment? To love our neighbor as ourself. And that's the second reason God gives for our work. We work so that we can love our neighbor. Let me pray and we're going to dig into that. Lord God, we thank you so much that you've given us the ability to work in a bunch of different ways and we pray that you'd help us tonight to understand how we can use our work to love our neighbor. Amen. Ephesians 2.10 is this great Bible verse. It says something really incredible. It says that we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's handiwork. Some translations will say we are God's masterpiece. We are his good work. He's worked really hard in making us who we are. We are God's handiwork. And if we put our trust in Jesus, at that moment when we put our trust in Jesus, we've been recreated now with a new purpose. From now on, our new purpose is to be able to follow Jesus and do good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. From the moment you wake up in the morning through to when you go to bed at night and then for some of you during the night as well, God has mapped out opportunities for us to do good works. And in your work specifically, whatever comes to mind for you when you think of your work, God has prepared good things for you to do for others. He's prepared opportunities for you to love your neighbour. I'm going to try and break these opportunities to love our neighbour into three categories and we'll briefly look at each one. We can love our neighbor as a result of our work, we can love our neighbor as we work, and we can love our neighbor through the work itself. So, the first way in which work gives us an opportunity to love our neighbor, we can love others as a result of our work. Our reading just now was from Leviticus. And if you were going to St. Matt's last year, you're now an expert in Leviticus, so I can just reference it whenever I want, and I will. Uh, sorry if you weren't here last year, because it's not going to stop me. But Leviticus, in case you're not familiar with it, it's a really obscure book early on in the Bible with a whole bunch of laws that God gives his people Israel when they're walking around in the desert. It's got some really confusing and obscure laws, but it's got some really important things in it as well, and in this one chapter, chapter 19, we have the first reference in the Bible to love our neighbor as ourself. It's, it's kind of squeezed in there at the very end of this one verse, but it was at the very end of our reading. Love your neighbor as yourself. But what stands out to me when I look at chapter 19 is how many of the examples of loving your neighbor that it gives around that verse refer to work context, like what we do when we're working. But just for now, look at verses 9 and 10. They'll be on the screen it says when you reap the harvest of your land do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings from your harvest do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up grapes that have fallen leave them for the poor and the foreigner i am the lord your god so this is an agricultural society right a lot of them are going to be farmers and what these farmers got from the fruit of their labor was sometimes literal fruit They had a harvest, they had a crop, they had a yield of fruit. And that harvest, whatever it was, they weren't supposed to keep it all for themselves. When they were taking in the harvest, they're not supposed to go to the very edge. They're supposed to leave some in the field so that later other people that don't have work, that don't have jobs, can come to that land that they don't own and also harvest some of it for themselves. As a result of their work, they leave some to love others why do we work? We don't, most of us anyway, work for a literal harvest. But for many of us, one of the main reasons why we work is to get paid, right? It's a pretty compelling reason for a lot of us. doesn't sound very inspiring, but it's a reality. We work so that we can get paid. But actually, the fact that we get paid opens up so many opportunities for us to love our neighbor. It's for one, how we can provide for our family members. As Paul says pretty harshly in 1 Timothy, he says, Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. If we're earning money, we're earning a means to love those closest to us. Just this week, I was listening to one of my many, many, many basketball podcasts, and the two sports journalists were just telling each other how they had their dream job. They love that they get to talk about basketball all day. It does seem like a pretty sweet gig. But then they got on to their fathers and how their dads both worked in large corporations and weren't at all doing their dream job. They worked jobs they didn't love because they did want to love their family. And they were talking about what an amazing gift that was from their from their fathers. This is what we can do with our pay. We can love those around us. But we don't just have to love those immediately close to us. The fact that we earn money means we can love people much further away. At Christmas, my, my wife and I, we took our kids into the city just to see the Christmas lights. Uh, one of my kids was kind of... Uh, sorry, the lights can Keep me in the face. We're fine. Don't worry. Uh, he was really confronted by the amount of people that were sleeping rough in the city. It was really overwhelming for him. And he, and he just wanted to do something. But even at his age, he could tell like beneath the was just really great. I'm sure many of us have experienced that when we go into the city, right? It can be really overwhelming. But it made me think of St. Matt's Thanksgiving Day in November and the fact that we were able to give, combine our money and give so much money to the Ministry of Rough Edges, which is out of a church in the city that, that feed a lot of people that sleep rough on the street every week. And how amazing is that, that we might not even have much connection to the city, but our love can extend that far to love other people we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. The money we earn gives us opportunities to love so many different people. That's how we can love people from our work. So I just want to ask at this point, if you're earning money, are you using some of that money to love others? The second way in which work gives an opportunity to love our neighbor. We can love others as we work. So while we work, as we work, we can love those around us. Back in Leviticus 19, they're told not to lie or steal. In verse 13, they're told to ensure their payment to employees is fair and timely. In verse 16, they're told not to slander. They're told not to endanger anyone in how they work. But in verse 18, they're told to love their neighbor as themselves, which goes much deeper than just not doing the wrong thing. They're supposed to be actively seeking their neighbor's good. They should go about their work in in a loving manner. I can remember back in, it must have been 2021, I think, when I was just feeling really flat out and busy in my work here at St. Matt's. And I kind of got into this habit, into this mindset, where if I wasn't meeting up with a member of the congregation, if I wasn't meeting up with somebody from church, I just wanted to be in the office with my headphones on and smash out as much work as I could, as quickly as I could, and then get home to my family. I just wanted to be as efficient as possible, but eventually Emily, my wife, she called me out on it because God had placed me in a team for a reason. God has called me to this fly. Oh my goodness! Can you guys see this fly? How big is it? <laughs> We're fine. All right, that's probably a really profound point I was trying to make, but um, all right, let's just pretend this didn't happen. All right. Emily called me out on it because God has called me into a team for a reason. God has called me to love my boss and to love my colleagues too. To be present with them and invested in them. It's not on my to-do list. I don't have a KPI for that. There's not a metric I'm trying to reach in doing this. But God had put me where he had so that I could love the people around me. Even if it didn't increase my efficiency. Maybe sometimes even at the expense of my efficiency. Now that doesn't mean we can just sit around and and chat all day and hang out and then go home. Like we still have work to do. But as we work, we're called to love one another. So who has God placed in your life, through your work situation, whatever it is, that you could be loving as you work? Who's the first person that's come to mind for you just now? I want you to take a moment and just pray for them. It's a great way to love someone. Just pray for them. Pray for their good. Pray for their flourishing. Pray that they know the peace and the hope and the joy that Jesus gives. Let's take a moment. God, we thank you that you've given us this chance to love those people in our our workplaces or these spaces where we're working. And we pray, pray that you would help them to flourish. Amen. I had the pleasure of going for a walk with a member of our congregation this week, uh, and he shared with me people from his workplace that he was concerned for, Uh, a troubled subcontractor, a colleague that was really sick. And such an obvious thought hit me in that conversation. I don't know these people. It hit me. I don't know these people at all. I am probably never going to meet them. I didn't even know they existed until this moment that God had placed this member of our congregation into that workplace so that as he works, he can love them. And it put this image in my mind. It made me think of how too often our, our, our world just feels like this loveless place. It made me think of our world being like a, a loveless, dry desert. And God has called us to love and then spread us out, kind of scattered us out. Like oases in that desert. Little pockets of life. Little valleys of love between the rolling sand dunes. The third way in which work gives an opportunity to love our neighbour, we can love our neighbour through the work itself. What we do and how we do it absolutely matters to God because it's also in the very work itself that we can love our neighbour. Do you ever stop and marvel at the wonder of modern plumbing? No? I mean, like, just bear with me for a second. We, we have clean water in every tap in our house. Isn't that an incredible thing? We have flushing toilets. We have hot showers. Plumbing is amazing. I have been so richly blessed by plumbing which means I have been richly blessed by a plumber. How incredible is it that if I remember to put my bins out on a Tuesday night, that during that night a truck is going to come through and collect my garbage and my recycling and my green waste and alternating weeks every Tuesday without fail, except this week something went wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, when the alternative would be what, like, just refuse piled out our windows, Right? Just garbage piling up in our streets. Instead, we have these clean streets. How incredible is that? Our lives are made better by this process. The garbage collector has blessed me. The person who organized the timetable to make sure it happened has blessed me. The person who designed that incredible arm on the garbage truck that picks up those really well-made wheelie bins has blessed me the mechanic that works on the garbage truck to make sure it continues to operate well. That mechanic has blessed me. We could just do this for almost any job. If you really want to take the challenge, try and find a legal job for me where it doesn't somehow bless other people. We could do this for every act of volunteering, every act of service. No, I shouldn't have said that. Oh my goodness. Just put it aside, think about it later, then tell me, okay? I think too often we think about love as as just a feeling. Oh, I feel love towards people. But when the Bible talks about love, it's talking about an action. It's talking about actively loving people. And would it be such a stretch for us to reframe how we understand our work in this way? If our work can benefit others, if in our work we're blessing others, why shouldn't we intend the work itself to be acts of love? God has put you in the place He has. He's given you the skills, the gifts, the abilities that He has so that at this time, you can love your neighbor through the very work itself. So you're a nurse to lovingly care for your patients. You're in business to lovingly bless your customers. You're an administrator to lovingly assist your colleagues. You're a police officer to lovingly protect a community. You're a lawyer to lovingly advocate for your clients. You're a parent to lovingly, lovingly, lovingly raise a child. The very work you do can and should be an act of love. So wherever you work, God has you there to love others. We work so that we can love our neighbor. But, when we start making love an action, it gets really hard, right? Right? I mean, it's one thing to love your coworkers, sure, but what about that really lazy coworker that makes your job harder? Sure, I can love my boss, but what about that really insecure boss that just blames everyone else for their mistakes? What about that unreasonable client that keeps changing the demands? What about that annoying customer? What about that ungrateful patient? What about that tantruming two year old? What about that parent with dementia? And love sounds great in theory, but in practice, how are we supposed to get the abundance of love necessary to love those people? I mentioned before the image I had this week of of oases scattered through the desert. Of, Of How I was thinking of followers of Jesus, like oases scattered through a loveless world. And as I was writing my sermon, I was thinking about that more and I thought, hang on, how do oases have water? Is this like common knowledge that I just didn't know? Do you know how this works? No, you didn't know either. All right, great. All right, don't <laughs> worry. I Googled it, so now I can educate you. All right, so, but I've got to read it to make sure I get it right. Uh, it turns out that an oasis just collects water from elsewhere. So it might be an aquifer. It might be storing up rainwater that has happened somewhere else and then come along underground to this spot. Or it might be that this oasis is a, is a product from a deep spring that's been welling up and has now surfaced at this spot. But an oasis doesn't produce water. It just presents the water that has come to it. And we aren't supposed to keep producing more and more love. We're just supposed to share the love that keeps flowing into us. We looked at Ephesians 2.10 earlier about the good works God has prepared in advance for us to do. But a few verses earlier than that, it says this. But because of his great Love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. We all push God away. We reject him. We try to replace him. We ignore him. But God loved us anyway. And Jesus did the work God gave him of dying for us with love. He died in our place so that from now on we can be close to God again. So we can know God's love, enjoy his love, be saturated and soaked in his love so we can be flourishing. And now we work for others because Jesus first worked for us. We love others because Jesus first loved us. Our world doesn't need more people working for themselves. In your work, whatever it is, God has you there to love others. So next time you start work, if it's at 9am tomorrow or it's the start of your next shift, whenever it is, whenever work begins again for you, remember, God has you there to love your neighbor. He's put you there to be an oasis. He's put you there to share love in a dried up world. He's called you to work, to share love out of the abundant, overflowing love that Jesus has for you. Let's pray. Look, go without your love, this is just all empty words. It sounds great in theory, but if you're not filling us up, if you're not covering us in your love, We've got no chance. And so we thank you so much that you do love us. And I pray that each of us sitting here tonight would know more and more deeply how much you love us. Liberate us in that love so that from that love we can be set free to love other people too from the overflow. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Penn Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmatt's.org.au, and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.